The Red 78. I just can't believe you've been positive for three weeks in a row. It must have been something I know, that's so I can't out of your mind. <laughs> I can't believe it myself. I can't believe Available it. every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Off the ball, daily. Well, pretty insane, really. So, uh, after full time, not even a debate. We had witnessed the most dramatic World Cup final in history. Hard to know where to even begin to pick it apart. Thankfully, we are not alone. Marcelo Mori Arau will join us from Buenos Aires. We have Philippe Claire and Dion Fanning along for the football show between 9 and 10. Away from the glorious madness of Doha, Fiona Hayes and Rory O'Connor will join us on Monday Night Rugby. 53106, the text number. You will get us at off the ball. Michael McCarthy back in situ. You're very welcome, Mac. Thank you, John. Put your feet up last week. Good for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Feet up, yeah. And Richie yeah. McCormick is there as well. Hello. Evening, gents. How are you? Uh, this is uh, difficult to pick apart. It was just so monumentally insane. Uh, it's too vast. There are too many specific moments. Uh, it's hard to know where to start. I think, um, and I mentioned it to Dion Fanning earlier when he popped in. He came in the door and I said, well... Turns out they got the best World Cup of all time in Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> they might Despite have. Despite our moaning, I think it's the best World Cup of my lifetime, that's for sure. Yeah, um, look, that's probably a fair point, and it's definitely something that we can debate over the coming weeks. Uh, it's hard to argue at the moment, but then again, let's let's not do it when we're fresh off what was definitely the most dramatic final, as you mentioned. But yeah, talk about like what what defines the drama of a game. I'm even thinking to myself, like, all the moments, we're probably going to think back at this game with nearly 2020 and still forget four or five amazing, incredible incidents. I think it was like when when Mbappe's second goal went in, I released a uh, expletive in my house to which my two-year-old daughter, who's watching an iPad beside me, <laughs> reacted. In a, with even at two years old, she kind of said, what happened? Mm. You know, uh, such was the expletive ridden scream, shriek, I would say, that probably came out of my mouth. Um, but I was saying to you just before we come on, Joe, what summed up how mad the entire thing was for me, right, is that there's 123 minutes and a few seconds gone of what's, oh, well, and a lot more than that, but on the official clock, yeah. um, there's three minutes supposed to be of injury time in the second, in the 15 minutes of the, of the second half of extra time. And France are true on goal. Emmy Martinez makes an incredible save to save the World Cup for his country. And yet, before penalties, Lautaro Martinez still has the chance to completely mess up yet again yeah. and sends a free header in the wrong direction. And that's all before the final whistle in extra time where nothing ever happens. Well, I think that's the nothing thing. Nothing ever happens in extra time. Send us all into a tizzy. Like, on 62 minutes, the graphic popped up on our television screens. Argentina, 14 attempts. France, zero attempts. Yeah. Yeah, this was a deserved win, ultimately, over the course of I the, guess so. the play yeah, for France. Argentina. Yeah. But it was nine on target, five off target, complete domination. France, zero attempts on goal. So at that point, if I had said that we're about to watch, uh, we're, we're enjoying the most dramatic uh, World Cup final of all time, it would have been hard to believe. And as you, I, like, it, it's totally my thought as well. There's the glorious madness of the Mbappe goals. But then, for extra time, with the stakes so high, to turn into... Wildness, yeah, like absolute wildness was the most unexpected aspect. Even Messi's goal, I was watching in here in studio we, with alongside Keith Tracy, and in the build of Messi's goal, we're sort of watching and we're saying, "Why, well, France have nobody back? Why is this so open? Yeah, what's going on here?" 
Hey, yeah. uh, that, that, that one of them didn't put the shutters down and say, keep it tight. They both said, let's all turn off our minds and just play on instinct. And then penalties was its own kind of wonderful drama. But I can't remember extra time being so crazy when the stakes were so high. So just all kinds of insanity, Richie McCormick, all kinds of insanity. Yeah, I've had a bit of distance from it now, obviously. We're about 24 hours removed from, from the end. Uh, and I, at the time, I think was saying, like, probably the best World Cup final of my lifetime. And then I was kind of zoning out and going, well, for 80 minutes, it wasn't. Like, and it, that it very definitively wasn't the best final of all time. Yeah. So you're kind of thinking, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't have an answer for this. It's like, whether or not that final 10 minutes or whatever it was, plus extra time and penalties, um, makes up for what went in the 80 minutes preceding it. Oh, it it's a low bar, isn't it? They're, they're uh, all rubbish. The finals are all yeah. rubbish. Let's they're, go, let's pick our way back through. Well, uh, like, well, like, you, you could obviously make, in terms of drama, like, 66 is obviously going to take a lot of beating. Not in your um, lifetime. 70, 70 was How old are you? How old are you? 70, 74 was, was uh, come on, Joe. 74 was, um, what you call it, obviously, fairly cagey. 78 was, Probably equally as dramatic, for being honest. Um, you have not watched. Out. Hang on a second. You have not watched the 1978 oh. final in full. I have. Of course he has. <laughs> Please. Please. 86. Okay. Eight. Let's discard history. I haven't seen 86 either. I've seen 86. I watched it during lockdown. Oh my god. Pretty good match, right? It was, uh, but it was three two. It was two nil to Argentina. Dragged back to two all. One three two. Right. Amazing pass by Maradona in the end. Overall, there was just like there's no like. Fair enough, for 80 minutes, it wasn't the greatest game of all time. It had an unbelievable goal, uh, the the second goal from Argentina. It had lots in it, uh, but it was fine. It was whatever. It was an it was an ultimately unremarkable World Cup final. But everything that happened, there was a lifetime that happened between the 80th minute and the 120th. Again, these are nominal <laughs> official figures rather than actual times. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it almost doesn't matter what came before. You just add, it's like, what makes a dramatic match? And it's like dramatic moments. And there was so many of them yeah. uh, over the course of a game. I, I actually, I can't possibly imagine that there's ever been a more dramatic game. 1966 final, we've seen enough of it to know what happened in it. And that, that definitely rivals it. Yeah. But no other one does. Yeah, Rich. It was a poor World Cup overall. To be fair, it was a what World Cup? It was a poor World Cup overall. To be fair, was it? Yeah, the, the 2022 World Cup. In what yes. way was it poor? I no, and I actually I, mean, I, I, I don't think, no, I think it was the yeah, best World think, Cup of our I, lifetime. Pe- no, it wasn't. 2006 was. Um, but I think people forget the amount of like nil 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 first half uh, games that we had in this World Cup. How slow and ponderous a lot of the football was. There were a few good games. There were a few exciting games. But from start to finish, as like a best World Cup ever, like that's Richard Kesey in, in its overstatedness. And yeah, I just it, it was fine. Like absolutely, it was fine. I don't think it was, it was bad. But the greatest uh, no, ever. That's that's not madness. a hope. Okay, nobody said greatest ever. I said of my lifetime. So I've been. I can remember from '94 on. Um, '06 could you know argue it out with you either way. Fair enough. I mean. You go through this world like I, the, the the number of moments the the entire last week of the group stages was off the charts. There was not I I, I forget average. There wasn't even a, a non insane night. Like I remember thinking the night Germany went out. I thought I don't need to watch this. I know what's going to happen tonight. And the whole thing just blew up in the most unforeseeable fashion. Uh, there were about ten different storylines which would uh, will be remembered for decades to come. So we had the best week of group matches in my lifetime. 
hands down by a mile. We had the best four quarterfinals, I think, in the history of the World Cup. Come at me if there's a better four. They were off the charts. And with the, look, the semifinals were the semifinals. They were okay. Uh, and the, then the final is nuts. Like I, I see, I think there's a temptation. We talked about this in the pay-per-view yesterday. I've spent every, um, every four years listening to a pundit sit around and say, ah, wasn't a great World Cup. Yeah. Like, so, but then it can't just be 1970 or, or 1982. There are no great teams anymore. Or there's uh, no great teams. Yeah, like, I, just, I just think we... Like, it was well I, matched. Was, what could war could you want? Like, I mean, again, take out the context of the World Cup and just talk about the, the football. There's always going to be nil-all draws. There's always going to be bad games. There's always going to be teams that don't turn up and like moments that, that are ultimately forgettable unless you want to go and remember them. But it's what you take out of it. It's like England-France is a game that I'll remember forever. Mm. Right, like there's there, there's about seven of them in this World Cup, if not more, and that isn't always the case. You know, Mexico Argentina, right? That was a terrible match that you set down for ninety minutes. But I remember the messy moment in that game. That's going to stand out to me. That's a positive. In what, like, so it depends what you define. Like, I don't think there's ever been a World Cup, Richie, where all of the games have been, or the vast majority, say, of the games have been brilliant. The football has been really, really high quality and the teams have been fantastic. This is what you get. You get a a mismatch. I never get that expression right, by the way. (laughs) Mishmash. You get that and then you take what you can from, like, how much drama there was in a World Cup. And this is second to none. I'd, I'd accept that, but like, I'd, like again, you're just drawn into the the silliness of comparing tournaments, um, which is impossible. Uh, it, it's, I'd, it's like no, we're not. Bad. You said overall it was a poor World Cup. That's where we've come from on this. Well, generally, we've got it was, into comparing yeah. as a way of dealing with that comment. <laughs> yeah, well, like generally, like from my point of view, like a lot of the matches were really, really forgettable. Like, like how I take the point about the. The last round of group games that was probably true about half of the groups and for the others it wasn't necessarily the case um but like we are where we are and we got our lovely we got our lovely show of soft power at the end there with the with the bisht being See, thrown i think on, you're on not just, removing those sorry things. that's I mean, fair it's it's a, and, it, it, at the end of it all it's a shameful world cup like no one is we don't even need to uh, say that i mean that's that's obvious but i mean uh the group stages that week was extraordinary. It just was. I, I like. I debate that with you forever. And then again, a reminder of the quarterfinals. In the space of f- two days, we had the Netherlands come back against Argentina with that free kick being, you know, that that moment. Mm. I'd forgotten about that. In it, that could be the most yeah. memorable moment for me of the entire World Cup. Notwithstanding yesterday, that free kick again at the end of Netherlands, Netherlands Argentina going to penalties. We had Croatia, Brazil, which was off the charts going to penalties as well. The Croatian comeback. We had England, France, which was an incredible game, and then the other one we had Morocco, Portugal, Portugal yeah. in the space of forty-eight hours. Ronaldo crying in the tunnel, Morocco, like <laughs> Morocco beating Spain in the quarterfinals, like or the uh, yeah, sorry, it was Morocco, Spain, it was Morocco, Port, wasn't it? No, sorry, Morocco, Spain. Was it the, was it the, the last sixteen? Right, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was Morocco, Portugal, but yeah, like that was what what a couple of days like that was. I don't know. It's I I find it hard to say that it was a poor World Cup. I get that we're in day after hyperbole, but whilst we also had a final without getting like t- like poor football, we had a final where you had like the greatest player of all time against his likely successor as the current greatest player in the world, and both of them came up trumps. They scored five goals between them in the game. And you know, it's like 
<laughs> what more can you want? And like two spectacular goals, two of the best goals in World Cup history, in World Cup final history. Yeah, in Mbappe's equaliser and the the Di Maria first goal was absolutely beautiful. By the way, Angel Di Maria. Yeah. We haven't talked about him. We talk about the, the, why they were all crazy at halftime. The emotion on that pitch. Angel Di Maria was crying since halfway through the first half and never stopped crying again until the end of the game. I couldn't tell if he was Someone crying. needed to have a word with him. Yeah. Were they, was he crying more when things were going badly or when things were going <laughs> well? Was, no. he, was, <laughs> he was crying after he scored. He was but crying he, after he scored and then was rattling pretty much for the entire duration that he was on the bench. Yeah, um, yeah, but that is there's Bobby Robson have a word of him moment that needed to happen there. But, but he came it. out. He came out of nowhere here. With it. he was doing nothing. He was doing the, the, honestly. I've seen it so much in his career, especially with Argentina, especially at World Cups. Remember 2010 World Cup, all the hype about him and just thinking this guy is a rumor. He has been carrying <laughs> rumor. No, but that's what I always thought about him. He has been carrying. Yeah, fair injury. enough. You know, and he did nothing, and he came out, and then they played. Do you know what they were? Like, let's play. France don't have a right back. Let's play a left winger, and let's put him on the left wing, and. Everything went through him, and it was a genius. Again, genius is too strong work because it's such a simple thing. But they don't do these managers don't do these things and make these changes for finals as much. Pep Guardiola does it and gets a lot of criticism for it, but mm. nobody else does. And they just put a left winger on, uh, you know, on Kunde, who's not a right back, mm. and it completely won them the game, or at least should have before everything went a bit haywire in the last ten minutes. And he was outstanding and has his moment now forever. And you know, the whole Angel Di Maria. Does he do it in the big moments? Have we ever seen Angel Di Maria be the player he is considered to be? Yeah, that's kind of out the window now. Like so that's think, an amazing story for him too. Because like Rich as well, you have to be conscious. You're viewing all these other World Cups through the beautiful prism of nostalgia. You know, I think imagine that this 2022 highlights reel is going to look in 20 years' time to a young Richie McCormick watching uh, on the, the the official FIFA video. Can we upgrade you to a bloody good World Cup? It was, it was a World Cup that definitely happened. <laughs> I can't believe this. I actually can't. So you have 06. I'm going to go back and watch 06, take notes across <laughs> Christmas week. watch every game. I'm going to watch every bloody game. You'd have 06 uh, miles out in front and then of your lifetime, 2022, just somewhere it's down there. the back. It's there, yeah, really. 06 and 98 would be would be up there above this for sure. Yeah, from for, from... From a bell-to-bell standpoint, yeah, absolutely. So 98's a good example, right? So in 98, you have Ronaldo as the superstar, and it's all set up for him to be crowned, and all the crap happens the night before, and they go out, and it's the exact same as what's happened to France in this game, except they don't come back with 10 minutes to go. Yeah. And, and suddenly get two goals and make it the most dramatic final of all time. They lose 3-0 and go out with a whimper and ruin the entire World Cup because of it. No? So, 98, we have the finals iconic, even though, yeah, it's a, it's a whimper. England-Argentina, amazing game. Burkamp against Argentina, amazing. Yeah. Uh, was, uh, it's also, I was 13. No, it was, uh, sorry, up, it, was, so it, was a, it was a great World Cup yeah. as well. But, be, like, are there not more than enough moments to match 98 moments from 2022? For me, there are. The fact that I forgot about Vighorst and even the fact that, like, the, those two teams beat the crap out of each other for two hours. Croatia finished third, I guess, which had a something, something. Yeah, but like yeah, there was, uh, there was, there was, there was, there was more than that as well. There was like, there was uh, Toram's two goals in, uh, in, Croatia. in against Croatia in the, the semi final. There was the golden goal from Laurent Blanc in one of the rounds as yeah. well. That was like the first time that had ever happened. There was, yeah, it was Italy, was Italy, France in and of itself was an incredible game for 120 minutes as well before I got to penalties, um, which yeah. kind of gets forgotten about too. That was a spectacular match. Um, uh, Mexico added a lot to that World Cup as well. Cuauhtémoc Blanco and his uh, 
his uh, bunny hop or whatever that was as well. That yeah. was in there too. And um, Samarano and Salas for uh, yeah. uh, Chile. Pierre, Pierre and Janke scoring that amazing goal for Cameroon in the group stages. And Joey and Doe's first World Cup as well, which is probably the reason it's above everything else. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder as well if the uh, stench off this World Cup is almost uh, not letting you embrace it in a in terms of on the pitch as well. I I, I just, I, I'm amazed actually. No, you're you're remember, one of the few people I've talked to. Yeah. A lot of the games were boring. I think I think that's just true of a 64 match tournament, you know, football, low scoring game. Well, that's what we're judging it on is it, it's a tournament and it has 64 matches and if the majority of them are boring, then oh, the World I... Cup was in the main not great. Okay. I have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down to earth with a crash here. I, I, I will humbly disagree. I think it's been a great World Cup on the pitch. But um, I won't humbly do anything. You're fine. You don't it was do a great World Cup. humbly do anything. It was uh, a terrible World Cup as well, and it was a World Cup that left like I'm. There's a part of without look at it. This isn't. We'll get into this again over the course of I'm sure many many times this week. But I'm a little bit grimmed out by the fact that it did carry me away, and it did like it's like it's a it's a tournament that you know we all love so much of the sport. We all love so much. And it had all the drama and the player that we all wanted to do something, or the vast majority of us did anyway, to, to have this moment. And it did, I mean, we were crashed back to earth, I would say, at the trophy presentation. And it became a stark reminder of what we were actually doing. But the I won't enjoy this World Cup was kind of, it was lost. And like I mean, that was predictable. Mm. It, was it, a, it, it was a sobering moment that trophy presentation oh absolutely it was gross uh, we should uh, get through some of the stories from the weekend that was the news runs brought to you with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day I presume you're starting with Argentina Mr Messi they're gone home Richie is gone he stormed off in disgust at how terrible <laughs> the World Cup was joke of a World Cup oh no Richie, I think you're back. Hello. We just teed you up for the news around there. So Argentina have gone home? Yeah, Argentina head coach Lionel Scaloni says he'll happily leave a spot open for Lionel Messi in the 2026 World Cup squad. He crowned that incredible career by scoring twice as Argentina won the World Cup for the third time yesterday. The squad are due to arrive back in Argentina in the small hours of tomorrow morning, their time, before heading for Buenos Aires and what will undoubtedely be a massive hoolie. Marcela Mora Irahu is in Buenos Aires. We're going to talk to her in just a few moments' time. Ulster will cover this with Rory O'Connor and Fiona Hayes in a bit of detail. Ulster, Ulster uh, pretty furious about several aspects around the game at the weekend, off-the-pitch aspects. Yeah, rightly so. Ulster and the EPCR are to launch a full review into the decision to move their Heineken Champions Cup game with La Rochelle to the Aviva Stadium. Despite work throughout the week, Ulster's Kingspan Stadium pitch was deemed unplayable on Friday afternoon due to the freezing conditions in Belfast. The game played out at a near-empty Aviva on Saturday evening with Ulster CEO Johnny Petrie saying the province missed out on €800,000 in matchday revenue. Following the 36-29 loss, Ulster head coach Dan McFarland described the decision to move the game as wrong and directly after the game Ulster captain Ian Henderson was asked if the move impacted on their performance everyone will say if you ask anyone that in Argentina will say that shouldn't have an effect does it I don't know like it's, it's probably a, not a quantitative effect but more qualitative and, and it's, it's how how players react to that change in change in um, circumstances and it's the same as last week as well um, if you look at the first half performance we played against Leinster who are one of the best teams in Europe like the second half performance we played out there 
one of the best teams in Europe. Like, like we know we can do it. It's we're probably just talking the 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 last last few inches of our journey. Uh, like I said, Rory O'Connor and Fiona Hayes with us after it will pick through the various aspects of what happened over the weekend in the rugby. Meanwhile, uh, so there's speculation around Deschamps. There's news of Benzema as well. Yeah, France could be coming to Dublin in March as a much-changed entity. Speculation continues to hover over the future of head coach Didier Deschamps following yesterday's World Cup final defeat to Argentina. And on the occasion of his 35th birthday, Karim Benzema announced his international retirement. The Real Madrid striker missed the World Cup through injury, having only returned to the France squad after a six-year absence last year. He scored 37 times in 97 appearances for Les Bleus. The Republic of Ireland opened their Euro 2024 qualifying campaign at home to France on March 27th. Uh, Philippe Auclair on the way after 9. Dion Fanning will be in studio. Like I said, we'll talk to Marcella this hour. We should mention the hurling. I mean, it was very much the off-Broadway spectacle, unfortunately for it, because uh, we got two very good games. Yeah, we did. Ballyhale Shamrocks are going to play Dunloy of Antrim in the All-Ireland Club hurling final in the new year. The Kilkenny team came out on top in their semi-final showdown with Ballygunner. Uh, one for the course at Crow Park. It was a 116 to 16 point victory for them. Dunloy ended the hopes of Galway St. Thomas's in a 114 to 13 point win. And speaking after yesterday's game, Ballyhale manager Pat Hoban praised a solid defensive performance for getting them over the line. Yeah, very, very solid. You know, I think our full back line coming into this game, everyone would have said we'd be under pressure. Our half back line would have been said, run at them, they're under pressure. I think today we showed the character we have right across the team. But yeah, I'd give huge praise to our full back line. Young Killian Corcoran in there, only 18 years of age, you know, marking another young superstar. But I just, he proved he could put it up to anyone. We'll get to the hurling at some stage this week tonight where uh, Chocolate is such a pity the way it played out yesterday. So I was just thinking, like, there were a few circumstances that meant that they put that on that game, but ultimately a decision was kind of made that, you know, we're not going to, this is what we have, and World Cup final be damned. It's just like, I think for hardcore supporters, that's fine, but do you not want, especially the club game we've been talking about for so long, this is a game that we've actually had breakthrough, the Ballyhale, Ballygunner, this is a game that people were waiting for uh, all year, This the, these two teams to meet, and... I think you need to appeal to the non-hardcores for a game like that. You know, that's a game I might have thought of going to, but I wasn't going to miss a World Cup final for it. I love hurling, but I also love football. And the World Cup final is the World Cup final, and a club semi-final is a very, very different thing, you know? And I just feel like that there's there's a lot of people like me, or even more into it than I am, that will have just not bothered yesterday. You know, I just think that's such a pity, you know? Mm. Could have been a good occasion. Uh, so an array of texts in with various takes on uh, World Cup 2022 and previous. Uh, hi guys, praise the brilliant football for sure, but the quality of the games had nothing to do with Qatar or FIFA. Well, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, I have that. seen a lot of praise for them delivering the, uh, such a great World Cup. Oh, really? In defense. Ask, G- ask Gianni, oh, yeah. Ask oh, Gianni, he'll probably tell you otherwise. Gianni will say it himself, and then when people will come on to randomly defend yeah. Gianni, uh, the, the Twitter types... Uh, they will say he delivered the best World Cup of my lifetime. It's funny, actually. I just <coughs> as an aside, I mean, there's so many bots on Twitter. Yeah, see, that's it. You never know who you're talking to oh, or not talking to. Uh, I'm definitely talking to a lot of bots in the last 24 hours. I'll tell you that for nothing. Uh, a lot of the VAR moments continues the text and uh, refereeing decisions were odd, to put it mildly. Delighted for Messi in Argentina. Cheers, Martin in Portobello. Yeah, there were some odd decisions I thought in this World Cup. I have to say. Uh, much better final than the competition deserved, said Robbie in Dublin. Owen says Richie spot on. 
the group stages were average. Last 16 was all right. Quarterfinal and semifinal were good. I didn't think the semifinals were that good. Final was very good. 98 was a better World Cup, says Owen. Uh, Spain 82, that was the best World Cup ever. Yesterday was the best final ever, says Ronan. Not only uh, the best World Cup final ever, but the best football match ever, says somebody. High stakes, the Messi factor, Mbappe factor, fans, theatre, quality of football from Argentina, the drama that unfolded, the tension, the excitement, etc. The game had it all more than any other. And I've been around a while, says Richard. Finally, somebody talking sense. Good man, Richie. O two, 2 best World Cup for shocks and storylines. O six 6 best technically. How many criteria do we have here? 1986 best final. Was 1986 final better? Yeah. I don't think so. Like, right. again. You don't. You know, it's hard to know. You watch it on YouTube 30 years later when you know the results. Like, it's a, it's a different thing. But yeah, I would say no. Uh, 2022 final only got going after 80 minutes. Half decent semis. That's it. End it. And you're ignoring the quarterfinals completely there and you're uh, doing a disservice to the last round of group stage matches, uh, I would think. Colin Cork says, Champions League group stages are putrid every year. One-sided games, zero shocks. I think group stages, like by definition, are going to, you know, have mismatches and, and trundle along in certain instances. Um, there was a lot of teams going for it in extra time this year. Big time. Which I liked. Is that down to more substitutes? Or the oh, team's just fresher. a little bit more energy going. I don't France know. made seven subs last night. France made seven substitutions, yeah. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. uh, the extra times have been a marked improvement on extra times of previous tournaments. Yeah. Uh, Argentina, Netherlands, extra time took off. Yeah. Last night obviously took off. But even in the earlier rounds, like in the J- Japan and... Who did Japan? I love that Arthur there. shouting at me as if he... I, <laughs> I can't hear you. Say it to my... <laughs> what? It doesn't mean teams weren't going. They all went to penalties. So that doesn't mean extra time last night wasn't great. There was two goals in extra time last night. Extra time can be great and go to penalties. I think there's a newfound, and I think this is new-ish, theory amongst teams that there are certain teams that that do benefit towards going to penalties. I don't think anybody wanted to go up against Emi Martinez in a penalty shootout. And I think one of the first things they said was I'd rather have uh, Martinez than Lloris here. Um, Similarly, Lovakovic on penalties was a frightening prospect. The Dutch on penalties were always pretty decent as well, despite going out in them. Like, there are teams that you really don't want to play and face on penalties because the chances are that they will beat you because they've... Like, like the amount of penalty shootouts that we've seen in the past 24 months that have gone to, like, 11-10 or 12-11 and have gone, like, really, really deep suggest that some... Like, people are better at penalties than they used to be and keepers specialise in these things more than they have done before. So I think there's probably... a a necessity and a, a willingness and a want to get things done within 120 rather than take their chances. For all their emotion and like it is, they seem like they're off the charts sometimes and that they fall into themselves and can see two goals in no time and blah, blah. I can't believe how good Argentina are at penalty shootouts. They seem like they should be the worst at them. Too emotional. Way too emotional. Yeah. And they're pr- like, honestly, were any of their penalties even nearly saved? You know? Even Letaro Martinez, who was... The worst striker in the competition, by a mile, hit the perfect penalty mm. to beat the Netherlands in the quarterfinals. Mm. You know, so it, I think that's a it's a strange one. They've, all, they've always been really good at penalties, haven't they? I don't know. Let's, I'm not going to put you on the spot there, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just did. But then enough of that. This news rent. <laughs> I just, I, I run to, let's move on. Let's move on. We've got to get to Marcella because she's waiting patiently in uh, Buenos Aires. We're going to wrap up the news rent. Thanks to Richie. Thanks to Mick. 